Welcome to this week's Green Side Up. This is Richard Henschel, and with me in this recording is Russ Higgins, and Russ is our uh, ag, commercial ag educator uh, here in northern Illinois. Hello, Russ. How are you today? Richard, I am fine on this new year. Yes, indeed. I should say that, yes. I miss getting you on the show um, earlier or later this, earlier this fall, I guess, at this point, uh, given what the what the weather was, what the growing season has been like, so I wanted to try to catch up with you if I could and uh, kind of do a, like all the TV shows do, uh, do a 2017 in review and kind of wanted to know how, how crops fared this, how crops actually ended up faring in 2017 and talk about uh, uh, with the kind of weather that we're having, what's going on with livestock in particular and if we get to it, uh, fall tillage and maybe any comments you might want to share about fertilizer applications in the fall and things of that sort. So how did the crops turn out in uh, 2017? Richard, the answer is surprisingly well. Uh, if, if our listeners think back to the type of year that we had in 2017, uh, it was less than ideal for growing many things, whether it be our crops or be, uh, be in our gardens. Uh, we've had areas that had way too much rain. We had times of the year that were cool. We actually had a short period of time in northern Illinois where we were nearing drought conditions that got much more extensive in the southwest part of the state. But all in all, we were truly shocked at the end of the year when we came in with better than expected soybean yields and really almost unimaginable corn yields. Right now, as of October, they're projecting that the state of Illinois is going to average 198 bushel corn across the entire state. And that's just two bushels off our record yield that we had in 2015. And there are those that are projecting when the final numbers come out this month, we might even tie that 200 bushel an acre. Really remarkable yields. And for soybeans, how do we do? Soybeans were currently sitting at about 58, and that in and of itself has brought up some pretty good discussion. What, what are we doing right? So when we actually look at that, how do we get these great yields, we can really be pretty simplistic and look at three things. It's either the weather, it's the genetics, or it's the management, how we're actually controlling these crops. And while we, I think we'd all agree that the genetics certainly are improving, at least as far as the soybean, we did a really interesting study this year. We took some almost 30-year-old genetics in the soybean variety Williams, a public variety that was actually uh, developed at the University of Illinois, and we planted that, and we had 61 bushel beans there. So even though we've had improvements in genetics, we've had improvement in management, weather was really the story in 2017 as challenging as it was we were just good enough at critical times in the year we got just enough rain just enough sunshine um, just enough good weather at critical times to really let these crops reach their potential well, that's some that's some amazing numbers that you shared uh, for corn, that critical time would be tasseling and silking? Absolutely. So the critical time for the corn crop is right at tasseling. And this year, that was just about the second week of July. 
Uh, so it was cool enough. We had a little bit of moisture in some areas, less than a tenth of an inch. But we got enough moisture to get us through that. Right at the tasseling is when we actually set the kernel number on our ears. And then later in the year, we actually had just enough moisture to make sure we filled those kernels out. We're beginning to think that our corn plants do a better job pulling moisture from deeper in the ground than we had originally thought. And, and that may be attributed to some of the new genetics. Well, I have seen uh, uh, basements being dug in a cornfield and, and saw corn roots down probably 8 or 10 feet. So I'm not uh, surprised at your comment. I'm sure that that must go on. So I know, you know, again, the critical time for corn, uh, probably maybe two times in its life. Uh, soybeans has a longer period um, of, I won't say recovery, but a longer period to make that yield, doesn't it? You know, that contributes a little bit to our surprise at our soybean crop. For most of the state of Illinois, comparatively, we were a little bit dry in August. And we usually get our greatest yield increase when we get adequate rainfall in the month of August, say that first week into September. Because this is when the soybean plant is actually going through the process of pod fill. It's actually filling those soybean within the pods. And you need adequate moisture to do that. And we thought we were going to be somewhat limited. We thought we'd have small beans or even aborting some of those pods. But it really didn't happen to the extent that we thought. Well, as you say, the weather this year played an enormous part, it sounds like. Uh, genetics is always good, of course, especially for, say, uh, disease resistance and things of that sort. And I don't know, um, we certainly hope everyone manages their crops correctly. And and uh, that's, always, that's always a good thing. Um, with this weather pattern that we had during the growing season, I maybe want to jump up to what kind of weather we've recently had here. Uh, some snow, but some pretty pretty darn cold weather. And while the crops are out of the ground, hopefully, um, a lot of farmers have livestock out there. So I was kind of curious on the on the beef side of things, at least, uh, how, how are, how, how's all the livestock faring right now in this cold, cold weather? So we often get questions on, on how the livestock uh, actually fare in this bitter cold weather. And, and admittedly, I, I won't be one of those who say they enjoy the weather, uh, but farmers really uh, do try to do a diligent job. There's a number of things that they can do uh, to make sure the animals are a little more comfortable. First, first and foremost, they normally uh, increase consumption just a little bit and they increase their consumption because uh, part of those those nutrients that food is going toward generating heat uh, generating body heat uh, most of our livestock as well uh, has the opportunity to get shelter uh, either at least out of the wind or inside and uh, our cattle and our hogs for that matter uh, at, once they get a little bit of age to them uh, they actually do surprisingly well uh, in this colder weather if, if the food is there, if they can take steps uh, to prevent them from getting wet. 
uh, because you actually use up uh, energy as well uh, when you're drying. So um, personally, I've been uh, uh, here at the uh, the Higgins Farmstead. Uh, our cattle seem to be doing well. The, the frustrating part is thawing out the waters that seems to happen on a daily ba- basis uh, during that cold stretch. But uh, well, I, I, uh, I things are going well. I can't imagine in this kind of cold weather keeping uh, open water uh, be it in a tank or a water is uh, an easy thing to do and and so uh, glad uh, for all the livestock management folks that's that's certainly getting done. Russ, I wanted to talk about fall tillage and fertilizer applications this fall and how they fared, but we're about out of time. We'll add that into the future show and uh, we'll cover a little bit more about uh, this uh, big, big talk here on Dicamba probably. So Russ, thanks much. This has been Richard Henschel and Russell Higgins with the University of Illinois Extension Service, and we'll be back again next week.